into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find somewhere close we don't want to walk far nor do we want the hassle of a car a lot of whiskey and a lot of beer the gourmet you're in the cool room or are you david <laughs> or are we indeed in a room above your pub introducing episode do Yes, depending on how you count things, right? It's either episode two or episode five. I like to confuse listeners like this. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why no one tunes in to listen to us. It's my art, man. It's my art. It's like the idea of tuning in as well. I quite like there's someone sitting out there with a phone. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like that's Damo and Dave. Breaker, 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 breaker. Here we are. Anyway, uh, so we went out this afternoon and had a good chat with Steve from uh, Tallboy and Moose, who we you, we will get to that later on. But we thought we'd just duck in and do the sort of Mark Maron on uh, what the fuck type thing where we have a bit of a chat first. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah, So we've that's had a pleasant at. morning, which is why we sound like we've had a pleasant morning. <laughs> <laughs> we had some samplers. We had some samplers at Tallboy and Moose, and they were beautiful, but we'll get oh. to that later. And now we're having a very nice uh, old mate from Moondog. Indeed. And, and we um, thought we'd catch up. Well, I want to catch up with where the pub's at, what's happening. I've had some sort of random it. messages on my phone of like, uh, for fuck's sake, this is where I'm at with the pub. And I all I can do is write back and be like, oh, dude. Uh, a, if there's anything I could do to help out, let me know. It's been a bit of the old best of times, blurst of times, as <laughs> the uh, monkeys on the Simpsons might type. It's uh, It's been good that people are sort of coming in and having a whole lot of the really fun beers, but Melbourne Cup Day, when the uh, Melbourne skies opened and the rain started to fall, it fell through every single hole in the ceiling that we had that we knew about and didn't know didn't about. Didn't know about. I suppose that's the only kind of good thing. Yeah, that we know in, where... In a way, the, now you know where all the holes in the roof are. It's very different to knowing how to fix them, but that's... Yeah, that's True. We, uh, and pretty much everything that was in the least bit electrical shorted out. So uh, the craft beer fridge, the hot water service, the ice machine, and, of course, the cool room. Holy all shit. All oh, shorted. <laughs> yes. And the cool room, I think, has probably shorted three or four times a day since then. And... Um, but it's okay. It, it hasn't shorted for 48 hours now. So I was more or less standing near the cool room with a long wooden pole, just, you know, <laughs> licking the, the switches back on. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like the insulation demo. Haven't you ever worked the, with electricity the, before? Not really. No, I've never had to worry about whether I'm conducting electricity or not. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been uh, that's been the Royal Mail experience at Behind the scenes, while the front might be sort of looking shinier and neater and there's new plaster in the women's toilets and there's all sorts of other fun bits like that, it's still Dave out the back with a wooden pole. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a Roy and HG (laughs) intro. It's like, out the front is the shiny pub and out the back is Dave with a a wooden stick (laughs) trying to turn the cool room on so he doesn't get electrocuted. The problem is, as the stick chars further and further, you've got to get caught. No, it's not quite true, but it's... (laughs) Well, I'm going to say from my own personal experience, like because I'm not here every day, every time I walk in, it's like, oh, this looks a lot better. Good. And, well, and that's exactly genuinely. No, well, it exactly does. It want, does. So. But you, you're, you know, because you're here all the time and so invested in it, you're like, oh, I don't think it does. But it does. I mean, compared to 
when you took it over, it's a, it's a huge improvement. We've repainted the, the very sort of small area at the front, which was the North Melbourne stripes, into a chalkboard where we can write out what we've got on the taps and so forth, which, of course, my seven-year-old son, who's a North Melbourne fan, is crushed about. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. That's, uh, and that's I a couple of years of therapy there, I reckon. Yeah, I hadn't quite told him that I'd done it <laughs> as I let him through the pub and out the front to go, what do you reckon? And... Yep, we had to go and buy some Lego after that just to sort of assuage the guilt that I felt. So he did notice. Yeah, he noticed. Yep, (laughs) he noticed. He was sad. Let's go and buy Lego. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the get out of jail for all (laughs) parenting mistakes I make at the moment. He'll understand eventually at some point. When he's 35 and I've been long in the ground, that's probably right. (laughs) (laughs) But it does feel like one of those moments of... You know, he loved the pub when it was the North Melbourne pub with the North Melbourne blue and white stripes at the front. Mm. I'm not sure whether he still loves the pub. Nah, he'll be all right. He will, I'm sure. So what else has been happening with the pub? Uh, well, I guess it's sort of, it feels like a little bit of like of the, uh, when we listen to Conrad and Bruce doing their catch up on the last podcast, mm. which they do at the start of everyone, but the uh, last Adam Betts episode uh, we aired and dropped last Friday on the same yes, day that did, the beer yeah. came on. And it was just really nice that people came in and had either heard the podcast and were drinking the beer or were drinking the beer and saw the signs about the podcast. And hopefully both those things start to pick up from here. So Yeah, it was um, – I mean, it's only been a couple of days and it definitely seems to be quite a few people downloading the podcast. So thank you. And, and if you have, just tell people. If you're into it, you think we're doing a good job, pass it on to someone else and you know, pay it forward. Yeah, it's not easy to get podcasts out there at the very beginning. So if you haven't sort of subscribed and liked and done all those sorts of things, it makes yeah. a huge difference to us because we can't afford to advertise it. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And, and not to go into too much detail about it, but iTunes is the, the motor for all podcasts. So if you can get onto iTunes in some way or form and, and uh, like, rate, review on there that will actually i mean i know every podcast says this but it will get us out to more people so is this a little bit of us begging for you to tell your friends about the podcast yes Yes, it is (laughs) um i just wanted to quickly talk about a bar that i went to the other night uh called captain melville and whereabouts uh, on franklin street in melbourne um so one of my uh good friends lucas is obsessed with pina coladas it's not a cool drink by any stretch of the imagination. I think he thinks in his brain he's bringing it back. Um, I in don't, 10 I, years, tell me he might be right. He might be right. <laughs> Anything that's old is new again. But anyway, I had my first pina colada the other night, and uh, it's and? fine. It's yep. fine. It's very fruity. <laughs> <laughs> very fruity. Uh, but I wasn't blown away by it. My next drink was a scotch and coke, back to the old favourite. Yes. Outside of beer. So. And what kind of, what kind of scotch? Oh, God, I can't remember. What kind of Coke? Uh, real Coke. Yeah. I, so, I so, so basically I, you bought good scotch and chucked Coke in it? Is that what well, I did, and I gave the good scotch to my friend, but I put – it was very late in the morning. I just wanted something that I knew I was going to enjoy, <laughs> and I'm a bogan from Brody, and I like to put Coke in my scotch. I know everyone listening to this podcast is not going to like that, but that's that's uh, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm what at. What I do, friend. I buy good bourbon and then put Coke in it. So 
Well, there you go. Ooh. All right. Well, then you can't judge me. <laughs> oh, I can. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> Scotch drinker. <laughs> Scotcher. <laughs> you Scotch bastard. <laughs> but anyway, we thought we'd just drop in, say good day, ask you guys to share the podcast, and uh, we'll head out to Preston to the Tall, uh, tall Boy and Moose uh, Brewery and have a chat to Steve. Is inside up there on the left, just past those lights. We've been there before, yeah. That place is all right. Let's pull up a stool and settle in for the night. You're in the cool room. I'm Damien Gibson, and joining me as always is David Griffiths. I am joining you as always. You are joining me as always, and we're in uh, sunny Preston. Preston, are we in Preston? Yes, we're in we Preston. Are. Yep, and uh, joining us today uh, is Steve Germain from Tallboy Moose. Hello. How are you guys doing? <laughs> good, We're man. good. And thanks for this visit. <laughs> uh, first things first. Sorry, we were late. Uh, I don't know how to read a map properly. Um, so I apologize for that. Da- Damien and I had a very sort of, you know, year 12 Melbourne experience where we agreed that we'd get on the first carriage of a train on the upfield line and then... Well, to- we did. That, that was fine. That bit that, worked. That worked. And then we got off the station. We thought it would be a 10-minute walk and it was a 40-minute walk and... And now here we, I, here we are. <laughs> I look like a hobo who slept in the streets and... <laughs> well, uh... The the line, so we're pretty close to Bell Station, which used Very to be close. the South Morang train, and right. I think it's actually changed names, so now it's called Mernda. Oh, Mernda. right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Right. So, I was confused, um, I don't know, a few months ago or whatever, whenever, I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but um, I hadn't been told about it. <laughs> <laughs> why hadn't why had the news of a transport write to me to let me... <laughs> and then I was like, what, what the hell is Mernda? I've never heard of that before. And I'm, I'm looking for the South Morang line and then, you know, a little bit of Googling and um, we worked it out. They did the same thing to the Broadmeadows line when it became the Craigieburn, the Craigieburn line, line. But yeah. they kept some Broadmeadows services, which was code for it doesn't stop at Dave Station anymore. So I used to get on the train that used to take me home <laughs> and it just shoot through my area and it was like, ah. There was my house, and I guess in an hour or so, I'll be back here. So, The old express train, that'll mm. get you every time. So, Steve, we basically start with the same question every time. Where, when was your first beer, and where was it? Um, I <laughs> recall um, my, I had some nice parents that used to let you taste stuff when you were way 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 below legal drinking age <laughs> um so i would have been at an age where i thought any alcoholic beverage tasted gross um however i do recall getting to an age where i i i thought that i should say that it tasted gross even though i started to kind of like it a little bit more yeah i yeah. think i think wine probably came around before beer did for me yeah a similar um, thing yeah um so you know my parents would would let us have a small amount of wine you know when we were in our teens right. and um and so i do remember um yeah coming around on that um beer i recall not really enjoying very much for a for a while um the one beer that i specifically remember um, thinking it tasted all right, and and I started getting getting into 
not getting into beer as in becoming a beer geek, but yeah. like enjoying the taste was Corona. <laughs> so, Ooh, really? Yeah. And so yeah. when did you have your first real beer? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that, that's that was... Um, very harsh, though. Yeah. So, so I don't know if it was the lime influence or what, um, but it was just because it was fairly light and Yeah, flavorous. they're easy to drink, so yeah. that, that makes sense. Yeah. And how old were you when you... Going through I can't remember. <laughs> I do remember going to Mexico on like family holiday. Oh, you know. so you're actually in Mex- Mexico drinking Coronas? You're um, not, you're well, not in Frankston. <laughs> you're not it's slightly, it's slightly I, I grew up in Toronto, and um, and so I definitely did enjoy Coronas in Canada, but I had some in Mexico as well. Right, okay. and um, and I would have been in my I don't know early mid teens kind of thing oh okay probably hmm. yeah that seems to be the consensus that we're getting here around 14 15 <laughs> yeah is when people have their first beer they don't really like it but for some reason you keep drinking them <laughs> because everybody else does and then you finally drink a good one um and then kind of unrelated because it, it wasn't beer it was like mike's hard lemonade but the first i do distinctly remember the first time that i was intoxicated what is mike's hard lemonade uh it's uh alcoholic lemonade so we we used to have like two dogs or something it it was it's pretty nasty so Mm. it's quite sweet um it's it's kind of like i guess a vodka lemonade right um and uh your or a vodka pub squash was sort of the ones that we had was sort of yeah squashier it's in that neighborhood so quite approachable to youth yeah, uh, in course. terms of the flavor <laughs> profile. So, um, my sister, my parents were away, um, for the weekend. My sister had a bunch of her friends over and they were in high school and I was, I would have been in like, I don't know, grade eight, maybe. Yeah. Mm. And, um, and basically to shut me up, they got me wasted. And, <laughs> um, that was, it didn't end well. It, it, it was, it was, it wasn't pretty. Um, so the theory was if you're part of the crime, you won't rat out the crime. That's yeah. very smart. Yeah. That's really, I wish it I could worked. go back in a time it, machine to do the it same absolutely, thing to my sister. <laughs> it absolutely worked. Um, I thought it was, you know, amazing because I was hanging out with, you know, all yeah, these older the women. Cool kids. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was, it was fun, but I, I did end up, you know, sitting by the toilet bowl. Did your parents find out about that one or has no, that remained no, no, so until no, they no. listen to this, this podcast? podcast. <laughs> uh, I think, um, no, I think it's come up, you know, since then. But um, in terms of when we were young and it happened, yep. like it was all good. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about the first craft beer or good beer or something approaching a that's, craft beer? In so brackets? that's a tricky one. Um, back in Ontario and around in the Toronto area, um, this, th- there was sort of this period pre craft beer was like microbreweries. Right. Um, so before, um, people would call, uh, something a, a craft brewery, um, there was this microbrewery trend. And so that would have been. What's the difference as a. Uh, so, so my understanding is that microbreweries were actually. Uh, slightly smaller than a macro brewery. Right. So macro being like your Molson, Coors, yeah. Yeah. Um, Labatt are the classic uh, Canadian um, versions. Budweiser, 
Corona, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's, that's, these are like mega, mega breweries, mm. right? And so the micro, a microbrewery is just smaller than that. Um, right. uh, and I don't know what the leader out, the leaderage sort of output difference might be. Yeah. Um, but, a, you know, maybe people would, I don't know if people would consider Cooper's to be a microbrewery. Oh, okay. Probably right, not. Right, right, yeah. But definitely mm. like, you know, way back in the day, like Matilda Bay or something yeah, like that. That's the would kind, have yeah, that's the kind of thing. You know, and so we had breweries um, like Sleeman and Creamore um, were a couple. They sound um, like heavy metal bands to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Creamore Springs, Springs is a town. Yep. Um, and Sleeman is actually owned. Sleeman. Sleeman. I think they're owned by Sapporo. I could be wrong. Yep. Um, I believe they're owned by Sapporo. That's not very um, metal. And <laughs> at what stage they got purchased by Sapporo? Uh, they, they started by a guy named John Sleeman. Um, so his name and signature was on all the labels. It was, yep. it was, it was pretty like their labels are pretty classic looking right. um now you'd look at it and be like that looks like an old school you know beer brand yeah um but they were making all kinds of different styles that sounded unique even though they're all quite similar to one another okay um, so they they would have multiple types of lager um you know they'd make an amber and uh and a dark beer i can't remember what the dark one i i think it was a porter um, mm-hmm. okay. um, but very, very light in body. Um, yeah. and, um, they made a cream ale, um, as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that would have been sort of my first, uh, pseudo crafty kind of thing. Right. Um, and then, um, I got a job working for a fairly large brewery and, and, and getting into the beer industry at that stage is when I really started learning what beer really is and, and then starting to appreciate the different ingredients and different styles of beer. And, and, and that's really when the, you know, the craft beer boom, if you will, was starting to hit hard Um, in the early 2000s or something, Mm. I think. And this was in Canada? Yes. Yeah. So funnily enough, I was listening to your, your previous podcast with Adam Betts and his first beer was a Moosehead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I used to work for Moosehead. No uh, way. Back in Canada. <laughs> do they still make Moosehead? That was the question. Yes, they do. So, um, and, <laughs> and you guys amazing. were talking about how you couldn't find it, um, in yeah. Australia. Yeah. So, uh, there were, Generally, you can't. Um, I've seen it a handful of times. Right. But a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, for some reason, it popped up in all the Coles uh, first choice stores. Yeah, they, right. I think they did like a job buy. They bought yeah. like, you know, a container of Moosehead and, and flung it around the country and then it was gone, you know. So wow. you don't you don't really see it very often. But mm. they still exist. Um, they are a family owned company. They're the largest family-owned brewery in Canada. Yeah, right. So they okay. are independently owned um, by the Oland family, and they have a very long history. And, um, yeah, I worked for them for, I don't know, three three years or something like that. Right, as okay. A, in, in a brand management capacity in their marketing department. Cool. Yeah. But now Ooh. we're going to have to get Moosehead on every yeah, episode we can, <laughs> our weekly of the Moosehead podcast. Reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, now outside of the bar that you have here at Tallboy Moose, which is lovely, and I look forward to having a beer 
out there after we finish the podcast. Uh, what's your favourite bar slash pub? Basically, anywhere that sells alcohol in Melbourne. Where's your favourite place to have a drink? Um, currently or since I've uh, been either. here? Yeah, alive or We tend to do both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, currently, I'm probably pretty... Um, you know, I, I go to lots of different places. If I had to pick somewhere right now, um, I would probably say Carwin Cellars. Yep. Um, so it's down the street from the brewery. So it's very, very convenient, very close to work. Yeah. Um, they, uh, are pretty well known and, and well regarded in terms of their beer, beer program. Right. So I am total beer geek, beer nut. Um, and so, um, I, I'm definitely very interested and in, engaged in, in sort of the kinds of things that they do over there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like a pub pub, um, I was thinking that when I first moved to Melbourne, um, I lived in Richmond mm-hmm. and the go to sort of best place that I enjoyed quite a lot was the GB. Yeah. Um, when it was the GB. So yeah. it's it's still the GB. It still operates, but they've changed hands. Yeah. I think um, maybe two or three years ago, uh, the previous owners, I think the lease was up and the rent went crazy and, mm-hmm. and a pub group uh, took took over. Yeah. And so the the previous owners have moved to the Cherry Tree Hotel. And it's, it's a great spot. But the original Great Britain, um, it... They had good beer, um, but it wasn't really about that. They also no. had like extreme grime factor. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it was just <laughs> like See, and, the, the and grime it, factor today is extreme. <laughs> it, it was it was a time in my life where that was perfect. Yep. Um so you know, I had been um backpacking for a year and a half and um i had just moved to melbourne and i moved into a share house that you know looked and felt like a crack den mm-hmm. um that's now been um bulldozed and um <laughs> as a result of your <laughs> tenancy <laughs> yeah. um, it's been turned into flats in richmond um but that was a place where some of my housemates were like you know local melbourne people right and um that was just kind of the local that we sort of went to every once in a while and it just it was always it was always good it was just like you know yeah. the kind of people it felt I more guess. authentic than a lot of other places around yeah. Yeah. Mm. At that time, I was playing in bands. There's a lot of recording rehearsal studios around there. And so, whenever we were in Richmond, I mean, I lived in Fitzroy, so it was like five minutes away. But whenever I was in Richmond, you would just, it wasn't a negotiation. You just went to the GB because everywhere else was a bit shit. Yeah, you know, a bit, you know, either too, too many tiles. Either way too, do- but Richmond's kind of like that, either way, way too dodgy. You're like, oh, there's a whole bunch of bikers in the front bar there. I'm not going in there. Yeah. Or way too nice, way too mm-hmm. expensive. I yeah. can't afford to go in there. It so the GB that, was that nice. It was that middle, comfort. Yeah. It was that comfort grime. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't dodgy. Like you're, you, you know, someone's going to rob you when you, you no, know, no. try and go to the bathroom or something like that. But um, and and it was always you didn't have to worry about spilling your beer if yeah. you did. No one was <laughs> yeah. going to be like, right, you have. 
And it was always sort of um, well patronized. So there's always people there. There's always something going on. You know, I went and did trivia a few times and like it was pumping, right? Mm, And it was it was genuinely fun. And um, they just had a really good vibe. And, and, um, you know, the staff, some were nicer than others, but, you know, (laughs) they were generally nice. Um, So... Yeah, it was cool. Where's the cherry tree? Is that in Richmond um, as well? It's, it's in Cremorne, uh, right. which mm. is basically Richmond. Yeah. Uh, it's just a tiny pocket. And it is on Balmain, which is um, just, uh, it's a back street um, in in Cremorne. It, it's a weird location. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of um, businesses in the area. And, and from what I can tell, they're doing really well. Um, oh, that's yeah. good. We we'll have to have an excursion. Yeah, I have to go yeah. check that out. It's a cool, it's a cool spot. It's a really good, awesome. um, it's a really good pub as well in its own right. Um, they're, they're doing, they've taken the GB. It doesn't have the same grime factor. <laughs> it's, right. Okay. It's, it's maybe a little bit. Well, it is a bit cleaner. Well, we've um, all grown up a little bit, so we probably don't <laughs> want that. It, it's it's more. Um, maybe it is slightly more mature, um, but they have a great beer program. Their the beer program is probably better. Um, than it used to be at mm. the GB, but um, yeah, it's it's a good one for oh, sure. Mm. Awesome. What about? I mean, you're obviously from Canada, so what about? This is a very big question. We ask this every week, but I feel like <laughs> it's huge. We might need to narrow it down. Uh, where's your favorite place to drink outside of Melbourne? There's going to be anywhere in the world, anywhere that sells booze. It could be in an airport. It could be a cruise ship that you've been on. Uh, <laughs> a Mexican beach. It could be a space station that you've <laughs> had a beer on. Yeah, so many. Well, that's, so that's many. Um, mm. there's, there's a lot to choose from, obviously. Um, but one of the go-to good, original, classic, good beer places to drink um, in... It, it's not my my direct neighborhood but it's close enough that mm. we used to go there pretty often is a small bar called Bryden's um so uh it's on Bloor I think it's at Bloor and Jane in Toronto and so Bloor Street um runs east west yeah that sounds about right and it, <laughs> it stretches across the entire city right? Yeah, right so it's it's a very long street um so the 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 main intersection downtown, the downtown core is Bloor and Young. Right. Um, so Bloor goes all the way east-west across the entire city. Yep. And Young Street, I think, is one of the longest streets in the world. It goes from the lake, um, which is at the south end in the mm. city, and it goes all the way north through, I think, the entire province of Ontario. Like, it's a yeah, right. crazy long street. So this is, um, yeah, it's, it's so... Uh, Bloor and Jane is in the west end of the city. I grew up in the west end and um, Bryden's was this little, I guess you could call it a pub. Um, Mm. It's kind of somewhere halfway between a bar and a pub. Relatively small, kind of feels like someone's living room, a lot of comfy couches and they did have some tables and stuff as well. Sort of an old feel wooden bar. I always really liked it because they always had uh, good beer on rotation. Okay. Um, they often had, it was one of the early places where you could get cask beer. Um, mm-hmm. So you can get cask beer probably in more places in Toronto than you can in Melbourne. It's sort of become a, a thing yeah. that craft beer bars have adopted. Okay. Mm. Um, and it was one of the early cask 
cask uh, places. And so it, to you me... You have to excuse my ignorance. Like, when you say cask, cask, yeah, cask I mean like, like British like style bottle. real ale. Um, oh, so, right, 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 right. Um, hand I pump. Like for a second, I, I thought mm. you meant beer in a box. No, like no, 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 like, no, 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 no. So, um, so I mean, um, <laughs> I meant, I mean, hand pump. Right. So, okay, okay. Um, the way that hand pump beers, you know, traditionally come in the UK, they're in, they're in a cask. So it's like, a, um, it's a, it's slightly different to a keg. It's, um, a vessel that is usually on its side and then they have to, you know, you have you've got to know how to tap it yeah you <laughs> yeah. Need a or you lose a lot of beer <laughs> you need a cellarman to operate it, it, it works differently from a keg yeah um, i, I know what it is, is i've seen a lot of yeah. fail videos with those people <laughs> trying to trying yeah. to tap those um so the beer is conditioned differently um the 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 main takeaway is that usually the beer is served a bit warmer at cellar temperature rather than at at um at cool room temperature right. so at like I don't know, 12 degrees, uh, versus one degree. Okay. And, um, and the beer is not completely flat, but has a light prickle. Um, so is very, very, uh, lightly carbonated. Um, and most people would say that's warm, flat beer, right. you know, the, the, the whole British real <laughs> yeah, ale yeah. thing. It's real. Is, yeah, that's- yeah. Um, it's supposed to have a slight, uh, uh, bit of carbonation to it. Anyhow, uh, Bryden's was, I thought was pretty early on and, and, and quite progressive in terms of their beer program. Um, they always had a chalkboard up with different stuff um, on rotation. And um, generally, yeah, the beers they had on were pretty good. Hmm. And and it had the vibe, more importantly. Yeah. It had good beer and it had good vibe. And so, uh, you know, it was a good go-to place yeah, uh, yeah. in the neighborhood. That's the most important thing yeah. with any sort of bar. Pump. Maybe another excursion domain. To Toronto? <laughs> sure. 100%. If that's in our budget, I'm more than <laughs> I've been to Canada once. I loved it. I will definitely go back to Canada for sure. Um, we ask this question pretty much every time uh, because obviously the name of the podcast is The Cool Room. Do you have any cool room stories? <laughs> We're hoping to find someone who has someone an amazing- has a strange <clears throat> or interesting uh, story. So I was, I was thinking about this one and- um, <laughs> Good. The- it's it's non bar related, okay, but it is still Ooh. I find a bit quirky. So um, when I was in high school or earlier, I had a job at a local supermarket. So I worked in the meat department, mm-hmm. and um, we had a giant walk in cool room where all the meat is stored, <laughs> and um, we had what they called the bone can. And so terrifying. <laughs> Another good name for a metal band. Uh, so this is where all of the expired meat goes. No, um, expired so, meat is a good name for an album. Yeah. <laughs> so, expired meat by these, bone can. So these you could think about giant recycling bins uh-huh. um, and just big plastic recycling bins. And so all the expired meat we'd have to daily, you know, you'd look at, you know, what was what was what's what had hit its best buy and hadn't sold yeah and so we'd pull it and you know tear it out of the packaging and chuck it in the bone can and so the accumulation of expired meat over the course of say two Ooh. weeks uh, got pretty rough um it was Ugh. yeah yeah like, literally green 
literally Whoa. green. <laughs> yeah. Chicken was the worst. A, I was wondering where we get our first moldy and cool so, room story. Even though um, it was in a cool room and, you know, was chilled, um, it would get pretty nasty. And then every couple weeks, I think it was every two weeks from memory, um, the man would come with his nasty. <laughs> <laughs> He'd come with his nasty the truck, weed man, <laughs> and collect. He'd collect the expired meat, and and so my understanding is that it was then gone for processing to to make cosmetics and stuff. So <laughs> all that, I thought you were going to say dog food. Then. Yeah, oh, no, cosmetics was not going to be my no, first I guess. Think, I think they make like lipstick and stuff out of that stuff. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. I'm never I, buying another lipstick again. <laughs> no, that's it. I'm off to. Um, I'm pretty sure they use uh, expired meat in the cosmetics industry. I could be wrong. I could be making this up. Maybe someone told that's me right. that. No, no, we like that version. It'll, it'll be um, David and I that get sued. Anyways. I was, I was <laughs> and, um, and and maybe I bought uh, the story, but I think that's what happened. I it's like amazing. the story. Why every two weeks? Surely this. Because surely they, this. Well, they wanted them to fill up. I guess you know. There's no <laughs> point. Yeah. There's no the, point. The can's in, not full. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What's the point in you know? Let, let's say with our our um our we've just gone through the process of uh, looking at different waste companies here at at the brewery. Yeah, and so. There's no point. You pay by the bin, yep. right? They come in and that bin's full, so they charge you X amount of dollars to collect that bin on a weekly basis, for example. What's the point in paying for a bin if it's only a quarter full? Yep. No, this has so been one of my bugbears. They wanted the two bone cans. There were, I think there were two or four, but they wanted the two, they wanted the two bone cans to be full. Because you're paying for the whole thing anyway. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just really gross. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so gross. Now, and speaking of cool rooms, I have cool room envy, having been through your cool room earlier today. So it's big, it's cold, and it has all sorts of fun things in there. It's a pretty quirky cool room. Mm, giant kegs. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we have a 40-foot refrigerated shipping container. Um that acts as our cool room. And uh it runs pretty well um so it's been going um ever since we opened for the past we're about two years old now so mm. it's been running 24 7 and and has had one hiccup uh where we had to bring in the repairman and and replace a part um but it's been going really well and um it feels like yeah, steve we, might be rubbing it in a little bit yeah no, as, you say, have, as opposed um, to michael room which i think has exploded like literally gone look, down seven um, times this week so knock on wood it is old it is an old shipping container um so uh, I guess there are, you know, risks associated with buying used equipment. Hmm. Um, but it's like it's, buying a used pub. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should bear that in mind, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the primary quirk factor is that a lot of our beers served in bright from from bright beer tanks or uh, what we call servers. Um, so they're 800 liter pressure vessels. Um, two of them are 1200 liters. Um, so they're basically giant giant kegs um if you will and um yeah we fill them with beer when once that beer is depleted or or once one of those vessels is all almost empty we keg off the rest of it Mm -hmm. um in some cases let's say we've got a tank full of xpa and um we don't have any keg stock of xpa and um a bar around the corner um 
or your bar, for example, were to order, hey, can I mm. order two kegs of XPA? We can actually keg off from our serving tank. Mm. Um, cool. And um, and so it's just uh, it, it's it's really a, an effective way for managing space. Um, having those large uh, vessels is a great way for yeah. for us to serve beer directly from a bright beer tank um, to our customers over the bar, um, but also to to help manage that cool room space. Yeah. So, um, you how many taps have you got here? You've got a good bank of. Uh, we generally are running twelve taps yep. at any one time. Sometimes that um, varies uh, to you know. Sometimes we do thirteen or fourteen. Um, it depends on what's going on. And uh, technically, we have 16 taps in our tap bank, um, but we have we make our own uh, carbonated water, so our own soda water in-house, and we also make cold brew coffee that we serve on nitro. Mm-hmm. Um, so we nitrogenate nice. the cold brew and serve it um, from one of our taps. Um, yeah, so. Wow. Uh, sometimes in the past we have done wine on tap as well. Um, so really? sometimes we use the taps for, for other stuff. That wine on tap's like a giant goon bag, basically. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I'm you're like talking st- demos. Yeah. I like <laughs> state points of me. It's yeah. like a giant goon bag. He'd know all that. I know the, I mentioned it before. The wine cask. Yeah. Um, he can point, he can pick out a dude from Broadie from a mile away. <laughs> Just moving back a little bit, what made you want to start? A bre- like a, a brewery. Oh, well, isn't that everybody's dream to start a brewery? Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> well, or, or run a pub. Yeah. Until, um, until you do. Yeah. And you realize, oh, geez, this is a lot of work. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was just um, a bit of a, yeah, I guess it was a dream. Um, I operate Tallboy and Moose with my business partner, Dan, Dan Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is the brewing end, uh, and, and I'm the other end. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess we met six years ago at Moondog. Um, so okay. he was brewing, uh, he was, he was on their brewing team. Yeah. I was living in Richmond looking for a job. And, um, and so we, we met by chance, kept in touch and, and we were very much on the same page in terms of ideas, uh, for different beers and, and ideas about the industry. And, and, and so we, yeah, I guess we, we talked a lot about it. Um, we started brewing together, uh, in a very, uh, sort of ghetto nano brewery type fashion um so we put together this uh it was basically a hundred liter glorified homebrew kit um and uh that was kind of dipping our toe in the water if you will and then realized you can't make money brewing beer a hundred liters at a time and so we started building a, a business plan for what would become tall boy and moose um yeah it, it was just um you know, you meet the right person at the right time and you have similar ideas yeah. and you decide to have a go. And um, that was kind of what happened. He's got a lot of experience on the production side in terms of technical brewing knowledge. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of experience um, in sales and marketing. So in Australia, um, I've been here for about six years and all of my uh, my, my beer career in Australia has been very sales focused. Right. I've worked for a couple different companies um, 
in a sales capacity. Um, and prior to coming to Australia, I worked for a large brewery mm-hmm. in the marketing department. Um, so yeah, having those two different skill sets seemed like it, it they fit well together yeah, in terms of um, putting a business together. Um, the one uh, element that we didn't have um, was hospitality. And so we just kind of had a crack and <laughs> figured it out, to be yep. honest. Mm. Um, We're all for that. Damo and I can relate to that yeah, story. That. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Yeah. So since, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to surround ourselves, uh, and we've tried to build a hospitality team that knows what they're doing and, and they do. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's been a great help because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, you know, running a bar, it's long hours. And, um, so yeah, we just had a crack really. And so far so good. You know, people have, said nice things uh, about the space and our beers and um, we consider it to be uh, a total work in progress we're always chipping away at different projects and trying to improve things fair enough Um, well we can talk about a couple of the beers and particularly the ones that we're going to be having down at the Royal Mail so the day that this podcast comes out you'll be able to come in and listen to uh, listen to come in and drink the beers that we're going to talk about so Steve's very kindly provided us with four beers in front of us. Why don't you talk us through some of those, mate? Um, cool. So this is a, uh, a selection of diverse flavors, uh, which is what we do. We, we try and make a lot of different beers that taste quite different from one another. Um, it's funny because uh, in putting this little tasting paddle together, they all look really similar. Three of them mm. look almost identical. Mm. Um, and one of them is the same color as the other three. The fourth beer is the same color as the other three, but it's just, it looks different because it's a bit hazier. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this is Cream Ale, um, Sunray XPA, Pillow Fight, and Boysenberry Zingtang. So, so two of you, your two core beers? Yeah. Yeah. So Cream Ale was one of the first beers that we opened with. So we launched the brewery and we had four we had four beers that we brewed. Actually, we brewed them off-site, but they right. were our house beers. Um, and Cream was one of those. And it sold really, really well. And so we decided, like, it outsold everything else two to one quite easily. Okay. And we decided, ah, oh, we better make that again. And <laughs> That's how capitalism works, yeah. Mm-hmm. Day in, day out, week in, week out, it destroys everything. It just it just slaughters all the other beers on our list. Um, for the most part, every once in a while, something does battle with cream. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so one beer that did some battle with cream was a beer that we created last summer uh, called Summertime XPA. Right. And it was literally every week it was going head to head with cream mm. and nothing does yeah, that a real Beatles stones situation <laughs> yeah. and so we were like hmm this is this is this is quite something yeah um this this summertime xpa thing um and so uh up until that point i should say one of the other uh beers which was the first four that we opened with was a pale ale and we and it was a series of pale ales called the Only Series. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one was Only Ella. And so it's a single hop pale mm-hmm. ale. 
It was brewed with Ella. It was an American pale ale that had a little bit of malt in there. So about five and a half percent and hop driven. Now, um, when we brewed uh, Summertime XPA, um, it, it wiped the floor with the only series beer. And we also found that the only series beer was quite um, variable in in the hop that we used. Mm-hmm. So you're basically throwing all your eggs in one basket. If this hop performs, mm. um, then it's an awesome beer. And if it doesn't, then it's not. Right. <laughs> yep. So we liked some of the hops and some of the iterations of that beer better than others. Um, hops like Azaka, uh, that's an American fruity hop, or Rewaka is a, is a really interesting hop from New Zealand. They were stellar and amazing. Yeah. And then we'd have, we, we trialed other hops. Um, that beer was experimental for us. So we always wanted to use something we'd never used before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of rolling the dice every single time. And, um, there were other hops that didn't perform quite the way that we would have liked them to. Yeah. Um, for example, there was an experimental Australian hop called HPA 035. Oh, 035. And, <laughs> and it was it's a, a bit, it was a bit lackluster. Yeah. Like we literally dry hopped the beer and we're like, uh, not really tasting a whole lot of unique character from this yeah. hop. We better, we, we actually went down the road to three Ravens. They, they happened to have some and that they loaned to us yep. so we could chuck more in, um, oh, wow. to, pull some character out of it yeah um the beer wasn't hoppy enough to be an american pale ale so we had to chuck more in um so that's an example um and anyhow the xpa destroyed um the only series and so we decided instead of making this sort of roll the dice pale ale um where we don't know whether or not we're going to be happy with the result Mm. why don't we make a pale ale that we know is going to be good every time we make it. Mm. And so that was summertime and uh, towards the tail end of summer. So we brewed a couple batches yeah. and then towards the tail end of summer, we're like, well, you know, should we call it summertime even when it's not summer? And so we, re- we, we, we renamed it and called it Sunray, right. um, which is more of a any time of the year. <laughs> if we like a ray of sun. In yeah, winter. exactly. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, if, if anyone did see Summertime back when it was on, it's the, it's the same beer. Yeah. Um, so it's that, a fantastic beer. Just had a taste of it then. That one is pretty, it, it's much lighter on its feet than the only series. The only series had a bit more crystal malt, had a little bit more color. Right. Um, this is leaner, drier, and then the hot profile is Motueka, Vic Secret, and... El Dorado. So uh, an Australian, a New Zealander, and an American. Um, Walk into a bar. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so they're all quite fruit-driven hops. So it gives this little um, fruity pale ale. Um, super easy to drink. Um, it's mm. within that sort of XPA style. Mm. Um, cream ale, on the other hand, is not a hoppy beer. It's just lean and crisp. Um, and it's a beer beer. So, yeah. so tell us a bit of the story of the style, because it's not a style you see a lot of in Australia. Yeah, cream ale is a North American style. Um, my understanding is that it was created around the time that uh, breweries started 
making uh, lager. So mm-hmm. there, there was this period in, I don't know, the 1800s or something where lager started dominating the brewing industry in North America. And the, the ale breweries that, had, that, that existed up until that point um, needed to react to the marketplace, shifting towards, you know, light lagers yeah. and adjunct lagers, I should say. So breweries started using corn and rice in their recipes to lighten the profile of their lagers, to lighten the profile, to make clean, crisp, light tasting beers. Mm-hmm. And so um, a cream ale is basically uh, uh, an ale fermented beer pretending to be a light lager. Right. So it has some flaked corn in the grist in the recipe. So we use um, pale base malt, uh, so malted barley, and some flaked corn. And that flaked corn helps to dry out the beer and lighten its body. Um, and then uh, we use a European hop called Slovenian Goldings, which adds a very, very light sort of Euro hop character and and bitterness to this beer it's 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 not a bitter beer but it's got a light touch of bitterness to balance Mm. out that malt and um so that that hop gives it a very slight euro profile but for you know your average joe punter it tastes like beer um so (laughs) that is our um it's it's you know our answer to hey mate i drink carlton what do you got I want uh, a beer. That old question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and that was a, it's, it's always just, my favorite question as a barman. Yeah, so oh, I just want a beer. When we oh, I've so, got seventy four beers. Which one do you want? So, I just want a beer that tastes like beer. So yeah, that's what you guys have got here. Exactly. So, yeah. so when we first opened, we had no idea who was going to show up here. We had no. I we didn't really know who our customer was going to be. Yeah, we wanted to be welcoming and approachable to anybody. We didn't want to turn our nose up at customers. Um, We don't, we didn't want to be the kind of place where someone walks in and it's like, no, we don't sell, we don't sell piss. Uh, well, you, 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 <laughs> wait, what I, am I sorry, doing? sir, uh, you yes, don't we, have a beard. We, we actually, can't possibly serve you beer. Uh, yes, we do sell piss. Here you go. Here's two pints of piss for you. Uh, no, so like it wasn't. It wasn't about that, but it was just we wanted anybody to be comfortable here. Yeah, of course. And um, we wanted to be a locals pub. We wanted people in the neighborhood to come here. Yeah. And if 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 you know. Let's say you like drinking double IPA, but you're going out with your family and your dad does not yep. like drinking double IPA and he wants a beer that tastes like beer. We've got one. It's a very and, sessionable um, beer too. So yeah. yeah. So, um, so it, it's just nice and clean and easy and, and people have responded favorably to it. So we've continued to make it. Um, but apart from the XPA and the cream, everything else that we make is a limited release. Um, okay. Sometimes they're concepts that are evolutions of previous beers that we've brewed before. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, the other two beers that we have on our tasting paddle here are exactly that. Um, so one of them is called Pillow Fight. It is a grapefruit milkshake IPA. It's really nice. I'm, that's I'm loving that one at the moment. So the hazy IPAs become really popular in the past couple of years. Yeah. This is a low bitterness New England style IPA. Often they're quite turbid and, and they look quite um, yeah hazy or 
or milky. Um, they look like soup stock mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, so the difference between a New England IPA, a regular New England IPA, and a milkshake is that we've actually added lactose milk sugar. And that is a way of sweetening the beer. Um, so lactose is an unfermentable sugar. Usually when you add sugar to a beer, the yeast consume that and they'll create more alcohol and, yeah. and the beer will end up being dry. But with the milkshake, you add lactose um, so that it, it will build body, viscosity and, and, and sweetness and that will not dissipate. The yeast cannot consume that. Right. Okay. Um, and we also added a bit of vanilla uh, for a similar reason. So your brain thinks sweet. Mm. Um, it's more. It's playing more of a supporting role. Um, and then there's grapefruit in there as well. So this beer has been heavily hopped um, with. Oh, I just had my first taste of that. That's really good. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got. Ah. We use some New World fruity varieties in this one. I think there's some Galaxy and El Dorado and something else. Um, so big fruit-driven hops, and then, you know, it's all about building that balance. Uh, so this is sort of a profile of the Milkshake IPA. We did one previously that had uh, berries instead of grapefruit, and previous to that, we've done a whole lot of iterations of Hazy IPA mm. and um, Hazy Double IPA and Hazy Pale Ale and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, the other one on here is boysenberry zingtang. So that is um, in another direction, kettle sour. Um, so it's tart. Uh, it's got some acidity to it. It's got zing and tang. Um, and so it's, a, it's, it's what you would call a, a quick sour or kettle sour beer. And um, it's also got boysenberry in there as well and um so it's a little bit lower in alcohol 3.8 percent um it's super refreshing nice on a hot day yeah very thirst quenching um yeah and those that that's a series that we do the zing tang series so we do different fruit in yeah. each i think iteration. we had the king tang back in the day at yeah. so, in Kensington, so. Um, so the original zing tang had kefir lime and lemongrass in it um, and then we started doing riffs on the name. So we did Ping Tang, King Tang, uh, Apertang. So King Tang was kiwi fruit. Mm. Ping Tang was pink grapefruit. Apertang was apricot. And then we, this season, um, so we didn't make any through winter, but this season we decided to just call them Zing Tang uh, with the fruit mm. in front of that word. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and perhaps looking forward to one more beer, which will be on tap by the time you hear this podcast, the Brutal Blonde. Yeah, so Brutal Blonde is a, is a fun one that's currently in tank. Um, We've seen so- the tank. We've touched the tank. <laughs> it's like it's it's real. We're, we're one with the beer. It's real, man. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, So the beer has fully attenuated, meaning it's finished fermenting. It's, it's just conditioning in the fermentation vessel, and we're going to dry hop it um, in the next in the next day or so. Um, and so that basically means um, there's a little port at the top of the tank, which you open up and you drop more hops into the beer once it's finished fermenting. Yeah. Um, so the beer will sit on 
the hops will sit on the beer and soak and volatile oils and aromas will be extracted from those hops. Um, and then you end up with a beer that smells hoppy and mm. tastes hoppy. Um, dry hoppings, we, we dry hop a lot of our beers um, and it's, uh, it's awesome. So <laughs> Bruta Blonde is a beer that's been co-fermented with our house clean ale yeast and a Belgian ale yeast. So it's got a little bit of Belgian twang, but that's hedged by the clean yeast that we've co-fermented it with. So you get a little bit of Belgian twang, not a lot. Um, it has been hopped up with Ella and Comet. So an Australian hop and an American hop. I like Comet. And um, it is also, we've added the, what I call the Brute, enzy- the brute IPA enzyme. Uh, so it's called amylase. And this is an enzyme that helps break down long chain sugars into short chain sugars. It makes the malt sugars in the beer more fermentable. So the yeast literally chew through everything and um, that will make the beer finish out very, very, very dry. And that's Um, sort of one of the big styles of summer 2018-19, isn't it? Yeah. So Brute IPA has become a a popular IPA trend. Um, So it is effectively making a West Coast style IPA, but with this enzyme, it goes bone dry. Um, and, and it makes things maybe a, a bit more crisp. Um, and, um, yeah, so we've, we've used that technique, if you will, in a slightly different style of beer. Um, and it's all about building a particular profile. Um, so, and, 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 and balancing ingredients in a different way. So we'll end up with this super crisp, bone dry, hoppy Belgian thing. Uh, and yeah, I reckon it's going to be very tasty. That sounds awesome. Mm. You're going to have that at the pub. That'll yes. both. Yep, absolutely. So we'll have the cream ale and the brutal blonde on. You can come down, listen to the podcast, have your headphones on, order the beers, and hear the story <laughs> of them while you're drinking them. That would be an amazing sight. Where we just all of a sudden start <laughs> to have like a hundred, hundred and fifty people in your bar, in your bar, drinking the beer that we've spoken about. But no one's speaking to each other. It's a, it'd all be like some weird sort of, you know, gallery experience where it's you like walk. It's a in. silent dance party or That's whatever. Nice but, yeah, silent <laughs> disco. Yeah. 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 Or an episode of Doctor Who with the cy- Cybermen or something scarier like that. But just just a lot of a lot of dudes with beards just occasionally going. Hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that would be interesting if you had a podcast listening station at the pub. You know, you've got a corner or a set of headphones. Like if you're bored, instead of like sitting there staring at your your phone, phone. you can sit there with the headphones on. He's inspired. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. That's a bloody brilliant idea. That's a really good idea. (laughs) Quick. (laughs) You distract Steve for a while. I go and patent that idea (laughs) just in case he does it first out here. The other thing you could do is just chuck it on the, you know, the music system. I have thought about that. Yeah. And, but that uh, might just be a little bit too self-indulgent, yeah. for even even by my standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't just get to have to listen to me when I'm behind the bar. Now you have to listen to me even when I'm not at the yeah. bar. <laughs> and you know, you're you might get bored of listening to it on repeat. You'd on think repeat. so, wouldn't you? <laughs> I I can't. I, I can listen to it while I edit it, and then I listen to it once. And yeah, I listen never to listen to it again. I can't. I'm I'm the same. I can I listen to it once just so I know what I've said. <laughs> yeah, basically, I do it. Am I in trouble with anyone? No. Cool. All right. I'll never listen to that ever again. I just can't listen to my own voice, which is strange because I've decided to do podcasts outside of 
outside of work. Anyway, uh, let's. <laughs> I think that's pretty much us done. I think we can wrap it up there. So, um, yeah, thanks for having us, Steve. Thanks for the beers. Thanks for waiting for us because <laughs> I couldn't read a map properly. Thanks for having me um, on. Do you want to just quickly plug the hours of the bar and stuff during the week? So, here? we are open Monday to sun no we're not we're open every day every day except tuesday um so we've recently opened monday nights um so we do select nine dollar pints on a monday night that's that's, yeah yeah it's a pretty good deal so we usually have four or five beers on nine nine dollar pints on a monday pretty good Mm. um wednesday we do trivia Thursday, we do axes and ales. So there's a, a crew in the back of yeah, the venue. Yeah, I saw that on your website, on Instagram. And, yeah. um, they do tabletop war games and board games. Um, so if you're I into- I thought you were going to say axe throwing, which I know <laughs> has become a thing in Melbourne. <laughs> that- But which the idea of combining it with beer might be- I wanted to have, I have wanted to have an axe throwing lane in this place since before we started. <laughs> But everybody said it was a terrible idea. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I I think it'd be hard to insure. So yeah, I yeah. Think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously uh, we're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday over the weekend as well. And we've got a nice little beer garden at the front. We've got heaps of good beers on. Good vibes. Good it's an times. awesome space. Yeah, um, it's amazing. We Man's Kitchen operate the food service, and they do really interesting modern Scottish food. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds weird. They do normal stuff too, like burgers and fries. Um, but they have some pretty quirky stuff on so the menu. What's a really quick example of modern Scottish? Food? Uh, haggis pakora. Ooh. So mm. little. Ooh, Damien, fried. Damien, Damien, <laughs> Damien and I have both just set up a little bit straighter. <laughs> little deep fried Indian dumplings uh, with haggis in the center, and they're served wow. with a um, a pink sauce. So this is this is something that. Um, Ooh, pink's a fruit. <laughs> it pre-exists um, our our operation here it's it's glaswegian food so um there's a few things on the on the menu that are nods to glasgow yeah and um the owner and head chef skills uh he's scottish he's from glasgow and so i don't think there's anybody else in melbourne doing anything quite like that is a glasgow nod anything like a glasgow kiss or are they sort of unrelated It's just a warning. The Glasgow nod is a warning. He's giving you the Glasgow nod, mate. (laughs) It's just a warning. It's a shot across the bow when you get a Glasgow nod. All right. I think we can – let's let Steve go and we need to go. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast, Steve, and we'll be back soon with another episode of The Cool Room. Looking forward to it.